Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to HCS Pro Talk, your weekly Halo eSports podcast, this time with more Halo shit to talk about. This is episode 164 for the week of January 31st, 2021. We're already one month, well, basically one month out of 2021, and what a start of this year it has been. Holy fucking shit. My name is Josh, a.k.a. JK Fire. Um... Wearing, and I'm just going to say this because I want to, wearing the NoobCombo.com t-shirt. Where we'll obviously talk about NoobCombo.com for all your Halo esports needs later on in the show. And of course, this week I'm joined by the man in the, what is now closed, limited edition drops Halo HCS Pro Talk Champions hoodie, Will, aka I, Mr. Mayhem. Will, how are you on this Sunday afternoon? Doing good, man. How are you? Oh, I'm fucking dandy, bro. We got a lot to talk about, Will. Yes. Holy moly. Um, welcome everybody to the live show. Welcome, chat, Voodoo Man, Martin Ohms, the man himself, or for a GT Halo. We're gonna talk about the results of the Paint Row Raid V2 tournament that took place yesterday. As a matter of fact, results coming up later on in the show. Shout out to you, Martin. Uh, also, we have a little bit of a announcement that came from martin as well in terms of the upcoming hcs pro series that's going to be taking place very excited to talk about that very shortly what's up mr davy havoc yo welcome to the live show and josh what is up bruh what's going on will mm-hmm. would you like to know what's <laughs> what's coming up on this to, week's show trying to already set up sure go ahead <laughs> a lot of halo information holy shit yeah. That's what I have like in the show notes. It's right there. It's the first line. That's what we got on this week's show. We got a lot. So, like I said in the in the tweet and whatnot before we went live, uh, sit back, relax, grab your drink of choice, grab a snack perhaps. Uh, we have a couple longer things that I promised I did try to condense as much as possible just to hit the main points, but we have a couple bigger things to get to in the show because it's like 343 decided that, hey, you know, we haven't said anything in a while. What should we do? I don't know. Just drop fucking everything. Let's just do that. So they did do that. Before we get into that, let's get into some competitive news. Tournament announcement. This is by Penn Halo over at Twitter. And I quote, Penn Halo 4v4 Halo 3 draft tournament. $500 plus prize pool. $15 a player. $20 after February 14th. The draft will be broadcasted on the 19th of February at 8 p.m. with the draft tournament taking place on the 20th of February at 1 p.m. MLG V8 settings. It's a double elimination bracket. You can check out the link in the Google Doc of the show notes of the show for more information on that tournament. Then we have Puckett and Halo CE. What is happening? This is by Chris Puckett. uh, Old, one of the veteran casters of the MLG days way back. Uh, he also transitioned into the Overwatch League and was a was an analyst on the desk there, and now I'm not entirely certain what he is doing. But he's still a massive Halo fan, and here's what he said. Um, in a response to a tweet from the, from the HCS account, or the Halo account, one of the two, um, that talked about the upcoming HCS Pro Series, he replied with, props for keeping the scene alive, can I help you host the CE series? 
now for for those who don't know, there is not a Halo One series that the, the, he just would like there to be a tournament of some kind to represent that that scene. Um, mm-hmm. But there is not an in an official capacity. There's not a Halo CE series. I just want to make sure that's clear. Um, on that thread, uh, Elamite responded to him and said, "Let's do it." And then Halo, the actual Halo, not the HCS account, but the Halo account. Uh, replied as well saying this is the sort of teamwork we're here for and it's uh, uh the gif of johnson and chief like banging the wall so if anything does come of this it, it would be pretty amazing it would be pretty amazing so as a matter of fact Puckett also put out a poll and he asked uh halo fans would you donate 20 dollars to participate in a halo ce event p.s pros please reply if you would volunteer to be a captain and he had a he had a poll and uh the poll with the majority was yeah like duh that's fucking it's just haven't seen him pop up in a while so it's really cool to see him kind of get out there and be like hey you want to fucking do this thing we should do this thing yeah like yeah you should do the thing next news story martin ohms doing big things over on twitter this is uh, his twitter account and i quote guess i gotta step in just heads up to the NA Halo community that I will be an admin for the upcoming Face It Halo season. As usual, like I do for my own events, uh, we'll do what I can to make sure the community gets the events it would like. Awaiting the event day spam. Congratulations, Martin. That's fucking rad. And, uh, you know, we don't we don't play preferential treatment here. Um, so as much as we like you, Martin, if you fuck up, calling your ass out. Just kidding. I love you, man. Uh, but seriously, that's that's really cool. Um, we've had our we've had our grievances with face it running the events as it is. Um, it's been a lot of bracket issues and so on and so forth. And not everything can be solved. We are we know that. And, I mean, not everything can be prevented, and we know that. So, Martin, we wish you the best of luck. And with everything that you've done so far, um, with GT Halo and everything, like we. You'll do a fine job. Um, but also, uh, Europa Halo is doing big things as well. This is by Europa Halo on Twitter, and I quote, It's 2021, and Halo is back. Join Shirzy One and Wonder Boy as we provide coverage of the third season of the HCS Pro Series starting next Saturday, the 6th of February. And Goalie Sniper, what is up, Justin Leflesh? Uh, he states three hours between games? Yeah. Fucking terrible or what what was it uh the face it ignite tournament where it was there was no break coverage whatsoever so it was just a break screen up and some music playing in the background and that went on for hours at a time oh what a fucking nightmare that was um but hey you know live and learn next news story hcs is hiring this is by tashi over on his twitter and i quote we're hiring who would have guessed? The Halo Esports team is looking to fill an esports content producer role in the coming months as we approach Halo Infinite's release and begin official HCS competition once again. Please see below for details. Your hiring manager would be Matt Klein. So this one, let's just go through the, the responsibilities of the job here. You would produce, shoot, and edit Halo Esports video content for social and broadcast. 
So you would support all aspects of video production, coordinating with internal and external teams. You'd assist in planning and execution of production schedules. You'd assist in post-production, including graphics and animations. You'd capture gameplay, live stream highlights, B-roll, and other critical video content. You'd write copy for scripts, video descriptions, graphics, and broadcast segments. You'd assist with esports live broadcast production. You'd support esports video publishing, tagging, archiving, and performance tracking. And you'd work closely with the esports teams on feedback and approval processes. Important notes. These are very important. This is a temporary contract position. And during the pandemic, you may work remotely. Once the 343 industry studio reopens, however, after the pandemic is concluded, it is expected that you would relocate for a temporary contract position. All right. And finally... I mean, all, all shitbagging aside, I will say that it, it is, it's more than likely an amazing opportunity. Um, and hopefully I would hope that once completed, once the job's completed and if you, if you excelled in that role, that you would be provided a permanent occupy, like a permanent position within the company as a whole. So I was just, hoping. uh, yeah. And I think, um, honestly, something they should look at is the content that I think it's LVT Productions are doing. Yeah, the watch party. With the, well, not the watch party, but like oh, the videos, the breakdown videos are doing. Sure, and then a the, Paradise Halo as well. Paradise Halo, like that's the type of stuff like I think the HCS needs. Mm -hmm. Is that that this is why this happened on this map and how this team conquered this other team so easily, even though it looked easy, that was all down to skill and planning, and that's the reason they took the, you know, the that type of stuff. No, you're right. The thing that I liked a lot about, um, I think they may have done it during the first World Championship Series in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. But during the live broadcasts, they would have like a screen up, like they would have a board. I forgot what event this was. I think it was 2016. I could be very well wrong, but I specifically remember an event taking place or multiple events taking place where there would be a, like they would have a board, Right. And you'd have a caster standing next to the board and you'd have the, you'd have the whole map and they would, it'd be like a smart board and they would tell you how a play went and like they draw lines on it. They'd highlight players, so on and so forth. And they would yeah. go into the clip of them executing that play, breaking it down further, kind of like how a play-by-play -play would happen in, the, in an NFL broadcast. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I think esports needs more of that stuff. Absolutely. It'd bring, it would bring more of a... Uh, casual watcher as well into the mix just so they yeah. can, as long as it's easily understandable and the, and the information is easily given to the viewer, it, yep. that could be great. And I remember watching those segments and it's, it's just really cool getting a caster's breakdown of it too, because they've been oh, yeah. in those types of scenarios. And, and one thing, if you watch pro sports versus esports, what you get in pro sports a lot is the announcers talk like, you know, 15 yard penalty for face mask. Like you tell it, like they tell it every time you got his hand on the mask. You, you got his fingers hooked around. You can't get your fingers hooked. Right. You hit the face mask. It's fine. So they're like, they're constantly teaching. Exactly. During exp explaining what happened. Even like I've been watching NFL for years. I know that, but it's part of the production and it makes, like you said, the casual watching that much easier because people who may not be deep into esports will then understand why things are happening. If they're tuning in for the first or second time. Did you, yeah, yeah. did you watch that Nickelodeon broadcast of the NFL game? 
the Saints Bears. Um, I saw some highlights from a YouTube video, but I did not watch the actual Nickelodeon broadcast. The best part about that broadcast was it's exactly what we're talking about right now in the sense of bringing kids and bringing families into the mix that didn't care about football before or never watched it before. It was so cool in a sense that um, you had Nate Burleson, who played for the Minnesota Vikings, and he was one of the casters for that game. They had another NFL analyst casting the game, and then they had uh, a Nick star there as well. Mm -hmm. And it was cool getting that kind of back and forth because they try to keep it fun, family-friendly as well, you know, while also putting an emphasis on the game itself. But the really cool thing that I loved about it wasn't the, like, animations or anything like that, which were cool. But the really fucking cool thing was when there was a penalty that happened. And you think about it, you're like, how do you explain a penalty or how do you explain how something happened to a kid mm-hmm. or to, to a family member that just didn't care before and never paid attention? One instance was young Sheldon. Yep. They had young Sheldon pop up from the bottom of the screen and explain like, this is what this means and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's fucking hilarious because it, it hits the nail on the head for what it is. It's short and sweet, goes away and you're back to the game. Like those, so, so cool. Oh man, that's just, you're right. We need more of that type of stuff. Um, More of that broadcast quality stuff within esports. And with the pandemic, it's obviously been hard. Right. But man, when we get, when everything is back to like a semi-normal, that'd be amazing to see. Just bringing more people into the fold and be like, hey, this is a real thing that exists and let's, let's talk about it and let's get more people involved. Um, there's, there's plenty of people out there. The reason I got into esports, like it's because I'm just a competitive person by nature. That's what I, I enjoy. So any sport really gets me going and the, uh, you know, esports is just another form of that. And right. I think there's, uh, I do think there's a large audience out there that has yet to be captured for this. Absolutely. So. And there's, there's a lot of people out there that still believe that, uh, like, why would you watch somebody play video games? You know, I'm not even talking about just from a streaming standpoint, just from a competition standpoint. Why would you watch somebody play video games when the counter argument to that is why would you watch somebody play that sport? You know, we talk about that all the time. It's, but it's the same thing. It's like, it's, it's bringing those people in to be like, Hey, this is a real thing that people are, are dedicating their lives to just like a football or a hockey or a baseball player dedicating their lives to at an early age as well. And Mm -hmm. With as as we know with professional sports, right? It's the older you get, the less the less uh, valuable you are. More than likely, I mean, Tom Brady being a major outlier here, right? It's it right stuff there's like exceptions. that exactly. But and, and there's there's bigger risk for physical injuries. But as we've seen, I mean, not to make like a one to one comparison or anything like that, but we we've seen with Zuma, we've seen with P- Pistola having hand in- injuries that make it so. The, the thing that you've been doing for your life that you've dedicated your life to it, it, it makes it so you can't do it anymore. You're taken out for weeks or a season, just like you would in a professional sport. So it's, there's more relations that can be made than not in terms of esports versus professional sports. So I, yeah, I just, I like, we keep talking about, we really hope that more people get involved and esports, esports aren't that thing. That's like, a parent would be like, oh, who fucking cares about that? It's just video games. Like, I'm waiting. I, I can't wait for that day to happen. And we're getting closer and closer to that day. It's just I, the day where 
like traditional households get excited for a League of Legends World Championship in the same sense that they get excited for a Super Bowl, you know? And in in some countries, it's getting to that point, if not already at that point. But in the United States, it's going to take a little bit of time, obviously. I think, honestly, like, it's probably years down the road, right? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not going to happen overnight. And it's going to be a generational thing, right? So those who grew up playing video games who have had all the consoles and all that and are into esports as they become older they will bestow that kind of if they're you know the parents are watching esports on the tv on the weekend the kids will watch you know what i mean and it'll just kind of right keep turning until maybe the popularity actually does grow significantly and as we like not to turn this into something else but like in the political landscape as well right a lot more progressive policies are being pushed and pushed further and further because the demographics are changing and the like our country is changing in a sense that our the younger and younger generations want more progressive and progressive changes because they it's like you, you look at some policies and you're like how was this not a thing back then it's like the world was different back then mm-hmm. so it's yeah Um, Justin says, watching the best is entertaining, seeing things you thought weren't possible, both in physical sports and esports. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because when you see, like, if I watch the international, which is a a Dota two tournament that takes place every year, like if I watch that or the league of legends world, world championship, it like, I don't know what's necessarily going on except when the, when the casters are talking about it. Right. And just, I'll quickly hit on this. Um, I don't know if this is the same thing for league, but for the Dota two international, there was a, like a newbie stream newbie is the name of a team as well, but like a, like a new player stream where um, different casters would be casting the same games, but explaining things in a more easy to understand. Hey, you're just starting to play this game. Hey, you're just watching this for the first time type format. Kind of like that Nickelodeon broadcasted for the NFL. So it's, it's stuff like that to help bridge those gaps. Because if you just keep the same format forever, you know, that barrier to entry could be bigger for some than others. So trying to break down those barriers and allow more people to be able to watch and understand what's going on is going to be huge. And that can even be said in a Halo standpoint. Yes, Halo is just a first-person shooter, but you watch fucking Counter-Strike and you hear these different call-outs that are taking place, these different locations on maps, uh, what why people are buying things at specific times, I mean, Valorant is just an expansive thing on that. It's there's so many different intricacies for every single esport. So, making breaking down the barriers, making things easier to understand for everybody involved, will just make it that much better. Um, back to Halo though. Here's the big one: designing the Halo esports ecosystem. This is by Tashi over at HaloWaypoint.com. Welcome to the first installment in the Designing the Halo Esports Ecosystem blog series, where month by month, we'll do a deep dive examination into how we at 343 Industries are working to develop a healthy and sustainable long-term esports ecosystem for Halo Infinite. The main focus of today's blog is to set the foundation for how we think about the ecosystem as a whole and details our mission, our overall goals, and more. The core of this blog and specific sections like our mission and goals were ripped straight from our PowerPoint presentations that we share internally as well as with external partners. If you're interested in our philosophical approach to esports as a fan, player, and even potential partner team, sponsor, tournament operator, or otherwise, then this blog is likely up your alley. We know that there are some folks who are just interested in seeing the roadmap and format. We totally understand, but fair warning. 
this blog might not be for you. That information will come down the road as we get closer to launch, and you can get the latest on that and some more items in last month's community update. So our mission. Our mission is to provide epic entertainment to Halo fans through the thrill of competition. We believe in cultivating and uniting communities, providing sustained content for fans around the world to watch, and creating a platform for players, teams, and partners in the ecosystem to thrive on. Program Goals These are the goals and how we determine the success of the program and ecosystem. Success in these areas means we can expand and grow over time. Failure in these areas means we may need to rethink our approach. So, extend engagement outside of our games with players and potential players, so viewership and social media impressions and reach. Build a platform that players, teams, sponsors, tournament operators, and content creators can sustain successful businesses around. So participating and investing in Halo needs to provide uh, returns based on their goals. Build a vision and aspiration for our fans, players, and gamers to create a movement. We want to create as many 1 plus 1 equals 3 scenarios as possible. If we all band together, we can truly create something special. Create exciting and epic moments in gaming culture. When are the times we are creating a moment in in capturing the attention of the greater online gaming community? And then player retention, loyalty, engagement, and more in-game. The development team will own these goals more than the esports team, but still important for us to track and contribute to. So, what is a platform? You might have heard about certain things in tech being called platforms, like Xbox, for example. Try to imagine all the different people and groups who see the Xbox as a valuable platform to invest their time and money into. If you're a player, you want to get enjoyment out of your Xbox with the games you play and the apps that you invest your time and dollars into. As a developer, you invest a lot of resources to bring your games to the Xbox platform, either as multi-platform or exclusive. Now, try to imagine all the things that Xbox does to provide value back to these groups. For players, the Xbox team created the most powerful console ever in the Series X and also put a ton of work into backwards compatibility, both of which are great for players. For developers, the Xbox platform is easy to develop for and offers a ton of power to give developers the freedom to make great games. Having the games be great is also very valuable to players as well, and thus Xbox is providing indirect value to players that way. By putting our great games on a platform that has a lot of players, the developer has an opportunity to see a return on their investment. This is just a tiny snapshot of the overall picture, but hopefully you can start to see the dynamics of how platforms work and how interconnected all the different groups are. And not only are they interconnected, they depend on each other for their success in the ecosystem. This is a critical component. This is the type of platform we've been working to create for Halo Infinite Esports, but obviously with our own set of groups and means to provide value to those groups. So, the key groups. For the launch of Halo Infinite Esports, who are the key groups or audiences that invest their time and money into Halo that we need to provide value back to? Players. Pro, amateur, and general competitive players. This one's obvious. The players are central to the entire ecosystem, and without a healthy player base for the entire game, the ecosystem is not sustainable. This is mission critical. Fans. Viewers, event spectators, fans who engage in game. Fans and viewers are also critical. We want as many people watching Halo Infinite tournaments and content as possible, and it's important for us to take strides to increase viewership. Teams. Tier 1 and Tier 2 esports teams. Tournament operators. Live event operators, online tournament platforms, and HCS grassroots partners. Sponsors. Endemic to gaming and esports as well as non-endemic. And other, 
viewing platforms, content creators, talent. Excuse me. Once we identified these groups, we started to think about and talk to them about what their goals are, what they're trying to accomplish, and how Halo can help them achieve their goals. From there, we were able to see how one group could provide value to back uh, value back to us to meet our goals directly or indirectly by providing value to another group. The priority is finding ways for one group to provide value directly to another group first. As an example, it's more important that teams are using funding to support their roster and fans than it is for funding to go directly to us or other partners in the ecosystem. So that's just a high-level overview. And we'll do a deeper dive on each of the key groups in the upcoming blogs so you can get a grand, more granular view of the relationship and our approach with each of the groups. So our role. While we truly believe that we need to rely on, uh, we all, wait, we need to all rely on each other in order to have a successful Halo Esports ecosystem, we understand that we play a larger role and have a larger impact than any of the other groups. So, what do we at 343 Industries consider our role in the ecosystem to be? Developers. First and foremost, we are of course the makers of the game, which is at the center of this all. It's our responsibility to create a great Halo game that fans and players love. The esports team specifically does not develop the game, but we consult on various aspects, including features and gameplay, and we provide insights from the competitive community. Architects. From an esports perspective, we see ourselves as the architects of the ecosystem. It's our responsibility to identify the puzzle pieces and work to make them fit together. How do teams fit in? How do tournament operators fit in? That's on us, and that thinking is really the foundation of the esports ecosystem. Ultimately, however, we don't own the decisions of each of the groups. We try to provide the best opportunities possible for them. And finally, as architects, we also believe it's our duty to take in feedback and be the catalyst for growth and improvement in the ecosystem. Sanctioning body. We are also the central sanctioning body for the ecosystem. While there are many tournament organizers, big and small, we determine who runs the official HCS tournaments and dictate the rules and regulations for those tournaments, including but not limited to format, game settings, and code of conduct. We don't want this to seem as a sort of dictator-like function, however. We are collaborators in the space and work closely with our tournament operator partners to determine the best way forward. And of course... We are closely partnered with Esports Engine, who are our main partners in the ecosystem and really act as an extension of the 343 Esports team. Broadcasters. Additionally, we are the main broadcasters for Halo Esports. That means for official HCS events, it's our responsibility to decide the broadcast scope and execute on it alongside our operator partners, of course. It's important to us that we're not the only ones broadcasting in the ecosystem, however, as we generally believe that the more broadcasters covering matches in the Halo Infinite ecosystem, the better. Finally, we also determine broadcast talent for the official HCS shows and overall creation uh, direction and tone for those shows. And finally, open ecosystem. By now, you've probably realized that Halo Infinite Esports is an open ecosystem. This means that while we don't officially partner with everyone in the ecosystem, we do, not control who, we do not control who enters and leaves the ecosystem. To provide an example, if a brand new team organization decided that they wanted to pick up a pro Halo roster and earn their way to the championship, that's totally okay. If you're a longtime competitive Halo fan, you might be thinking, well, yeah, that's just how it always worked, right? And the answer is yes. This is consistent with the legacy of Halo Esports and not only touches on organizations like teams and tournament operators, but also players. 
Halo Esports was built on open tournament structures where any group of players could work their way up to the top and would have opportunities to play against the best in the world. This will still be true for Halo Infinite Esports. Esports as an industry has continued to evolve and grow. However, and while there are some leagues that are more closely resemble closed ecosystems like you see in traditional sports, Halo Infinite's journey will begin as an open ecosystem. We are, however, as noted above and will be detailed in future blogs, partnering more closely with groups in the ecosystem than Halo ever has in the past. Ultimately, this decision was based on where the ecosystem is at today and we're trying to accomplish. If some numbers of years down the road we decide the best way to improve and grow the sport and ecosystem is to change our approach, then we'll adjust our strategy. For now, Halo Esports will be an open ecosystem, and we're very thankful for the groups that want to participate in it. Justin says, so I'm worried about this term, tournament operator partners. I don't want tournaments brought to you by Faceit and HCS. There won't be consistency from tournament to tournament. I don't know. Am I being paranoid? You don't need to worry about the spelling, Justin. I get you. Um, well, okay. So we have, we don't know what the roadmap looks like. We just, we don't. We don't know the tournaments that are going to be in said roadmap. We know for a fact that there will be HCS run tournaments in that roadmap. HCS funded, HCS ran in accordance with eSports Engine. And I would imagine, I would assume that there would be other tournaments ran by other organizers as well. And I'm not talking in a community fashion. I'm talking all a, a dream hack or a, I mean, it could be a face it or other larger organizational efforts if you know what I'm if you know what I mean like remember how we had the gamers forgiving tournament as well now that was that strictly run by HCS I'm trying to remember I don't think it was I don't think it was Either way, like we could have those types of one-off events in between majors that take place. I don't know. I'm kind of, like I said, we don't know what the roadmap is. I'm kind of spitballing at this yeah. point. I get there your concern a, though, Justin. Yeah, there was a line I found um, higher up in the article. Um, basically, it says they're the sanctioning body. We are also central sanctioning body for the ecosystem. While there are many tournament organizers, big and small, we determine who runs official HCS tournaments, dictate the rules and regulations for those tournaments, including but not limited to format, game settings, and code of conduct. So, I guess, you know, the not limited to is the question mark there. Right. Um, are they going to kind of dictate what content's in between match? Because I, I think that's the biggest gripe is... All these tournaments will be double, most likely double elimination. Should be. Sa same type of bracket being ran, same modes. The question is the content in between, right? And are that's what... A, are we going to stare at a B-Rec bat screen for 20 hours during uh, you know, a stream? Over or are a weekend. We gonna, are we going to get interviews, breakdowns? Are we going to get that extra content? And that's what's going to vary, and that's 
kind of the uh, inconsistency an esport doesn't need. <laughs> right, so. and, and Justin, that's what Justin mentions too. Just, he says, I'm just a little worried about production quality differing massively between events. Yeah. And that is something that Tashi has talked about openly on Twitter as well in, in terms of trying to provide he obviously can't talk about it at length because it's still being worked on and we don't know what the roadmap is, but he has said multiple times that, Hey, we hear you. This is something that we are looking into and working on to try to make better for halo infinite esports as a whole, whether or not that means this is what you can expect from an HCS run event. And for the others, Hey, sorry, or maybe this means, Hey, we're going to try to step in and be a more hands-on approach for this stuff. And not maybe not necessarily just provide guidelines, but provide if they need to help provide content or here's your ex. If you want to be an HCS partner for halo infinite esports, that's not like a community run tournament. This is your expectation. Like this is what you need to be accomplishing for every event. And if you don't meet those, then maybe you won't be able to be a halo esports partner anymore. I'm, um, I don't know. It's again, this is all speculation and I'm not saying that that's written in stone because it's not, this is right. all speculation. Yeah. My brain kind of went down my, this path too. Is that since it's HCS is open, like they're talking about, you know, they for really now, for now, yes, but they can't force teams to do HCS content because no. they're not partnered with the HCS. They're their own individual teams. I mean, even even HCS another... grassroots partners don't have to make strictly Halo content because they don't. Right. Right. Um. So I I don't know. I think it's on the teams to promote themselves. Uh, not the players, but like, you know, cloud nine coming back, they're going to have to up their halo, uh, content to be able to, you know, market that team. So. Right. And that's the thing too, is that they, you know, they want to like, you know, that they want to market that team as well, because if they market them properly, that sells more merch that gets more people watching, that gets more people engaged for your team, for your organization, they're going to care more. And that just provides that's, you right. a better return on investment. Right, and that's what that give and take what Tashi was talking about yeah. in that article is, you know. We so, just gotta, it's, it's all got to come together, and it's, it seems like such a... It's like, it's like an a odd-shaped present that's hard to wrap, and you got to get that bow perfectly on top, and it's going to take you a while. But we got to get there. Exactly. We, we, we need Halo Esports back at the top, you know? Like we back do. On, at, or as close uh, to the uh, top as possible. Right, right. You um, know? In the blog as well, I wanted to make mention of this because Tashi mentions it um, a few times here at the very end that as of right now, Halo Infinite Esports is an open ecosystem. It will be an open ecosystem. And then he says that if they determine years down the line that that's not the route that they want to go, then they will change their approach. And he also mentions that um, within there, Esports as an industry has continued to evolve and grow, however, and while there are some leagues that more closely resemble closed ecosystems like you see in traditional sports, Call of Duty League, yep. Halo Infinite's journey will begin as an open ecosystem. So we, we talked about it on the show a while ago. Like, does Halo go the franchised league route? And based off of what Tashi is saying and not saying in this article, it sounds like, hey, if sometime down the line... Halo Infinite Esports, Halo Esports in general is in a good enough place where this can be something that's viable for the company, then yeah, that's something that they will look into. And I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if they've already started thinking about that. If they've been thinking about that from the very beginning and then just realize that let's keep what we got going right now. 
let's ease into this, see where things are going to go, make sure that the public are with us. And if we need to change, then we can change. I think the, uh, the issue they're probably running into is there's not enough around Halo right now to justify a cloud nine buying a team spot on a league. You know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. And so Halo infinite needs to come out and market itself strong to build that rep. Right. To be able to do that in the future. And you don't have the stability necessarily where, and this is going to be so weird saying this term stability in terms of the call of duty league. But the, the reason why I say stability is because you have a game releasing every year. Therefore, you have fresh maps, you have fresh content coming into the fold, you have fresh rules, you have your teams, you, you, everything's there. And the reason why I was hesitant on saying stability is because what if the game is broken? And what if there's no competitive sense in mind in development of the game? And you have to rely on that. It, it's, and I imagine since it is a franchise league that is so directly within Activision, I imagine that there are higher ups that are like, no, you need to include these types of things in your game for call of duty every year. So, and with halo, we don't have that type of quote unquote stability where we have a game. It'll be six years between halo five and infinite. And we've never had that before. Right? So what's their content plan after the first year? What's their, not just in terms of HCS, but what is, what is three, four, three's plan for infinite after the first year? Are we just looking at cosmetics? Are we like, are we adding campaign expansions? Are we doing something different with multiplayer? Are we adding a battle royale? Blah, 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 blah. There's so many things that they're thinking about day in, day out on how they keep people engaged, keep people coming back, not necessarily in the terms of a live service game, all a destiny and whatnot, but in a sense that you're giving us your time. If you want to spend money, cool, but here's how we're going to keep you engaged for throughout the years. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of that later on in the show. And again, very little because they can't go into a deep dive, but that's going to be our second biggest story at the tail end of the show. Um, Justin says infinite is a 10 year plan. So esports has to try and stay fresh. Absolutely. But we've known that. So destiny is also a quote unquote 10 year plan, right? And now granted they had a lot of, well, shit, Activision owns us. What the fuck are we going to do? How are we going to keep this stuff fresh moving forward? Our basic expansions are just the same run-of-the-mill stuff with a different public event. Seasons haven't been very engaging. Then they split off from Activision, and it's still more of the same. Their big yearly or, or every other year content drops are big, expansive, awesome. But the stuff in between that isn't really, it's very run-of-the-mill Oh, I just keep leveling up my pass. Oh, I get another exotic engram. Oh, woohoo. So with Halo Infinite not being a technically a live service game, how are you going to keep people engaged? Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But will, shall we move on? Sure. Let's do it up. That's it for the competitive news. It's time for your upcoming tournaments of the week presented by Noob Kamenak. Ah! I'm wearing the shirt. Check out NoobCombo.com for your Halo eSports needs. Bitch. Will, on Sunday, January 31st, which is today, we have GM Halo tournaments, Halo 5, Sniper 2v2. 
tournament. And we also have the Halo Project Brazil Halo 5 FFA. On Friday, February 5th, we have the Hyd... Thanks, Mike. The Hydra Gaming Co-Ed Halo 3 2v2. On Saturday, February 6th, oh boy, we have the Wolfgang TTV Halo 5 SWAT 2v2 Massacre Tournament, and then it's back. The HCS Halo 5 Pro Series Open Tournaments in Australia, New Zealand, uh, Latin America, EU, and North America. All four taking place on Saturday. And then on Sunday, February 7th, the Halo Australia Halo 3 4v4 Draft Tournament is also taking place. Also, you know what? Hold on. I'm going off the rails for a second for a very specific reason. Because I'm opening up that other. There it is. So the MCC, the Halo 3 MCC weekly tournaments come back starting the 14th. So not this weekend, but next. So, or the following, I mean. So there you go. And that's it for upcoming turns of the week presented by NoobCombo.com. Check out NoobCombo.com for all your Halo esports needs. But if you want merch, go to hsproduct.com. Click the merch button at the top right corner and you get some merch except the limited edition that Will is wearing because that shit's gone. Will? What do yeah. we, we got next? Rostermania! Ah, yes, Rostermania. And we have something for you this week. Osprey Gaming is over on Twitter. And they have a Halo 5 competitor roster for the upcoming Face It HDS event. It's going to be Wheezy, Enigma, Pandora, and one of my favorite names out there, Banana Source. So we should make, what we're saying is we should make a best gamer tag list as well. Ooh. You know, with the, with, you got to have positive with the negative to you balance it out, do right? It. And Banana Source uh, is a great name. That is a great name. Let's do it. Let's we do should it. copy that over right now. Perfect. You know what? You know what else we should do? I know. I know we're having list upon list upon list. But if we're just gonna have this at the end of the year, I I kind of want to have yeah. I kind of want to have a best team names as well, or best and worst team names, because I love like my Bed Bath and Beyond. See? Yep. You know, pops up throughout the year. Yeah. Just just see kind of the funky shit that's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it'd be a good idea. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Will with the roster taken care of, please let the folks know at home and here at the chat what we got for the tournament league recaps of the week. All right, let's start off with the SWAT Nation SWAT Back to the Future number two. Great Scott. In fourth, we had <laughs> Team Yurameshi, which was Smokey Dig, Sucka, Fear Spawn, and is it X Efrain? X Efrain? Yeah. In third, taking home 100 bucks, we had Mascon, Falcated, Sab, Flazen, and Tusk. In second, we had Brutality taking home 150 bucks. It's Devil, Rotting, Beeptor, and Hypersea. In first, taking home $250 was The Pals. Good name. It's uh, Sandal, Lil Sandal. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> Elements and Borst. 
Could you imagine, like, if if you're so obviously brutality went up against them in the finals and be like sandals on the left, and then it's like sandals on the right, and they're just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my god, good point. Uh, before you move on to the next one, uh, it, there's a fifth and sixth team that I want to just shout out here. We have Series XD uh, because one of their t- players' names was Riggy the Rod. Ooh, I, I just like that name. It just rolls off the Riggy, tongue, Riggy the Riggy Rod. The all right. I just want what, to say that. You said there, was there another team or just that? No, nope, that's it. I just want to shout oh, out that thought, player I, I on that you, team. Thought, that's it. I thought, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the GM Halo tournament, Halo Five FFA results, and we'll just run through the top six here. In six, we had Switch It Up. Fifth was Cloud. Fourth, Jaws. Third, Young Gun. Second, No Pro Angel taking home thirty bucks, and first went to the Gold Star BR taking home seventy. We had another GM Halo tournament occur as well this is the halo 5 2v2 in fourth place we had no pro angel and uh pool pk in third we had reitzker and noises second was boo boo bear and zammy taking home 30 bucks it's a good name boo 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 bear yeah that's good uh, and first was legend and sicka taking home 70 dollars haven't seen them at the top for a little bit so that's good to see too been a, same been with gold star br on that ffa good yeah. shit all right, two more to go through here. First up, the GT Halo Paint Row Raid V2 happened. Paint Row Raid! Um, again, what a great tournament idea. Just so the different modes they have included there. Um, if they run another one, highly recommend checking it out. If you haven't checked out these first two or go back and watch the VODs. So in fourth place, we had the Spartan V program. This was Yu-Gi-Oh! Tools, Brooks, Volunteer, and Nightmare. Third, we had Monkeys, which was Signet, Calculated, Monkeys Positive, and Dark Rider 250. Second went to Yakuza. Uh, Fluffy Theo, Luo, Thin, and Aroused. And first place went to Murda. It was Young Guns, Gun Lane, Gallus Snipes, and Requiem. In the winner's final of that tournament, Murda beat um, Murda beat Monkeys 3-2 to send Monkeys into loser's bracket, right? Mm-hmm. Yakuza met them in the loser's final, whooped them 3-0, okay? Oh, wow. So Yakuza comes up and Murda whooped them 3-0. <laughs> just crazy unbelievable yeah uh, so yeah like i said recommend watching that if you haven't already Hell um yeah. planet reach halo reach hc 2v2 tournament results here we go fourth place went to gbx which included gbx and tusk third went to boo boo and trip if you didn't know uh it's boo boo doo boo and trippy no way second second went to ray noob which was ryan noob and rain and first went to Ego, Charles, and Chill, Bound, and King Nick taken first in the Reach 2v2 tournament. Very nice. Yeah. I think that one went to two. I think that one had a bracket reset. Oh, uh, yeah. Let me let me see just to make sure. I'm pretty sure that thing went to a bracket reset. Let's check it out. It's Give a battle me fire. one second. We're going to check this shit out, bro. Um, Oh my. What? What a bracket. What a bracket. I know it's fucking massive. Yeah. Yep. It so, did. So Ego came from losers then. Yes, they did. Yep. They beat Boo Boo and Trip 3 1 and the losers had to come back and face Ray Noob. And wow, they just fucking. 4 2 and a 4 1? Yeah, that's. That's they strong. came back That's there. Strong. Holy shit. That's awesome. What do you think they used? Jetpacks or... <laughs> I don't... Armor lock? 
It probably not. It probably wasn't. No, it's hardcore. Available. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, oh yes, they used Invis. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yep. Definitely. Yep. And they just that's sat. A, they sat with snipers in the back of the map the whole time. Yeah, it didn't move. Nope, no, that's didn't that's, move. That's, that's strat. strat out there. The strat yeah. right there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We just uh, we run into that crap so much when we play uh, community play dates. People chilling in corners with invis. It's awesome. Reach is fucking ass. It's not that bad, but it can be bad at times, right? Hey Beth, back I, me up on this one. It's fucking trash. I enjoy Reach, man. I don't know. Oh no. It's like it's. Uh. N- my B- favorite thing M- so nbns we, that's that's the good reach no bloom no sprint sure yeah. um during the community play date we'll talk about it later though um I'll, during reach someone armor locked in like the in the open like he was getting shot and i just sprinted up to him and waited i just sat there with my ar and waited for him to come out of the armor lock the worst <laughs> the worst part about armor lock is that when they break out of it it sends an emp blast which knocks your shield down Yep. It's just fucking stupid. That it's yep. fucking terrible. Um yep. Low, I had I had teammates up on the hill behind me watching over it, but I was just like, no, nah, dude, you're not you're not getting away. Like, no. come on. No. <laughs> Josh says reach is fun. Uh not to mention as some of my favorite armor customization. The armor customization is cool. The the unlock system was cool. It's just that gameplay was ass. And the Deadbolt says <laughs> boo reach. reach. That's right. Boo uh. it. I, I have fun in a casual sense when we're just like messing around on the game, right? Like, sure. I can understand not, that. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's fine. All right. That That's all we got for the tournament and league recaps. All right. Let's move on. With that, it's time for some regular news. First up, MCC development and flighting updates is by Postums. And I just want, I took one segment here. Future flights. Flighting conversations have been ongoing for some time, with testing of various pieces of the next few offerings coming in future flights already going through Ring 1. We're still a bit off from locking in what when the go-live date for our next flight and its plethora of pieces. I know players are chomping at the bit for news of it, but we should be in great shape to start talking about it next month. Please stay tuned and patient for more details. They are coming. So, and then sign up to be an insider. Make sure your profile is all up to date and all that shit, and you'll be good to go. All right, this is the last uh, big news story here. So like I said, make sure you have a drink ready. You're sitting down. You're enjoying yourself. Um, just relax. We have some infinite. Will has his. Wait, is that? Wait, did you find? You found one? Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Will's got his Cheez-Its with Halo Xbox shit on the box. And he's got his coffee as well. Cheez-Its and coffee. What a great combo. Just, you know, good <laughs> Lord. Uh, I just had to show off the infinite stuff. You know? I like that. I like that. I gotta go look. We're going grocery shopping today. So I gotta go take a look and see if it's at my local store. Um, all right. So here we go. Inside infinite for January, 2021. This is by 343 industries. Inside Infinite is a recurring series that will hit Halo Waypoint on approximately the last Thursday of every month. Our goal with these blogs is to provide insights into the game we are making from the people who are making it. These updates are intended to be fairly high level and will lay a foundation that will continue to build on over the months leading up to launch. 
Rather than make this strictly a one-way endeavor, following each update will ask for community questions on social using a hashtag ask343 and look for opportunities to go deeper with the team and address some of the most pressing inquiries in the following regular community update blog. Lands approximately mid-month. Anyone who has followed me over the years knows that I'm about that I'm all about trying to set proper expectations, so we want to be upfront with you. We will always strive to inform and delight our community with these updates. This isn't the place for huge announcements, specific feature deep dives, or gameplay trailers. We know you're all very eager for updated campaign gameplay, a proper multiplayer reveal, public flighting, and many other aspects of Halo Infinite. That will all come in due time as large industry events take center stage and the Halo marketing machine kicks into high gear. This month, we get things started by interviewing members of our Sandbox team, and next month, we'll talk with some of the folks working to bring Zeta Halo to life, followed by a chat with the audio team in March. We're still finalizing plans for April and May, but we'll update you along the way. Please keep in mind that these plans could shift, but we'll let you know if anything changes. June, July, and August typically deliver big moments across the entire games industry, so while we're not committing to anything specific yet, we expect to have more than just uh, Waypoint blogs this summer. And in full transparency, we're still actively working across the teams to make sure we have a strong roadmap post-summer leading up to the launch of this fall. Until then, we look forward to going on this monthly journey together and are grateful for your continued support. So I condensed these segments down and then I took like the viewpoints from some of the people working on the Sandbox team. So here we go. The Halo Sandbox Vision Statement. This is by Quinn Del Hoyo. And I'm going to keep my reservations about Quinn away from this article. Okay. Because a lot of people have reservations about that individual. But here we go. Their Halo Sandbox vision statement is We create weapons, vehicles, player mechanics, and systems that are intuitive and reward player mastery. We respect Halo's legacy by partnering with our players with the same honesty and integrity we use to craft our gameplay. So let's break this down a bit. The first portion of this vision statement speaks to what we as a sandbox team do. We create weapons, vehicles, player mechanics, and systems that are intuitive and reward player mastery. We feel strongly that everything we create has to be as easy to pick up and understand that grok moment for players. Once we have something that is simple to understand, we push for depth that the player can appreciate and display in-game through experience and mastery. We know that something is Halo-ready, when we have achieved those two requirements. The second piece of our vision comes in the form of how we operate as a team. We respect Halo's legacy by partnering with our players with the same honesty and integrity we use to craft our gameplay. This means that we acknowledge that we have a 20-year franchise and recognize that players all around the world have different preferences, likes, dislikes, etc. And we commit to making sure we're mindful of past uh, precedents and core experiences while making sure we're considering feedback from all players, not just campaign players or just Halo CE purists, etc. Silos literally got called out. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Silos, if you listen to this episode, you fucking just got called out by Quinn. Goddamn. We strive to honor Halo's rich 20 year history. Halo is special. We recognize that we all have jobs because of how special Halo is. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Halo and its powerful impact on gaming. Additionally, we also feel that Halo is not just special for us, but it's also special for our players as well. 
The relationship with our players is what we as a sandbox team feel is vital to keeping Halo as amazing as it is. An example of how we as a sandbox team will partner with our players is when it comes to game balance. As our free-to-play multiplayer shifts to a true service, it's more critical than ever that we drive continued feedback loops to ensure we are prioritizing the right work and continually improving the experience. Player feedback via community input and additional vectors like user research studies serves as our North Star that will evaluate alongside game telemetry data and our team's instincts to inform a specific outcome. We know we may not always get it right, and we won't be able to act on every piece of feedback we receive from a community as large and divisive as Halo's, but we are committed to operating with transparency to acknowledge issues and most importantly, explain the why behind our decisions. With Halo Infinite, the investment we have made to our tools allows us to be more responsive to balance issues and opportunities, and of course, we're also committed to keeping the game fresh via meta shifts, new weapons, vehicles, etc. Halo Infinite truly is unlike any Halo before it when it comes to our support and commitment to the game and our players. And Justin says, suck it, Silas. I agree. Halo Combat Doctrine, again by Quinn. The Halo Combat Doctrine is a document that establishes core Halo, Halo, Halo gameplay philosophy. It outlines our principles of what must be true when playing in Halo Sandbox, and specifically, the moment-to-moment combat. The primary purpose of these principles is to shape design discussions regarding foundational Halo combat in both campaign and multiplayer experiences. They guide us as we make decisions today, tomorrow, and henceforth. Every principle has a player goal that we must achieve. That's more uh, than we can fully deep dive on today, but we'll cover the most important part, which is the principles themselves, and I'll lightly touch on the purpose of each one. Before getting into them, Justin says, really, they're not going to just throw oddball in with no explanation, even though it's broken? <sighs> Let's fucking hope not. <clears throat> the dance. Player goal. Players feel combat is in their hands to win or lose. Halo's combat is a dynamic rhythm of engagement, reactive, and cerebral dance that feels like a symphony of combat choices. Holy shit, if that's not a fucking PR, like, the most perfect PR statement of gameplay, that's incredible. Feels like a symphonic of combat choices. Um, this principle speaks to that feeling of nuanced combat between players that only Halo provides. We refer to this as the dance. Some of the key ingredients that we keep top of mind are the right balance of kill time, movement, using a diverse sandbox, energy shield-based halo, uh, energy shield-based health model, etc. In every encounter, the player feels like their choices are what produces the outcome and results. In victory, they can outsmart or outplay their opponent because they use the correct toys and skillful actions for the given situation. This principle is where the classic golden triangle is taken into consideration. That being weapons, grenades, and melee. Tools of engagement, the player goal. Players will feel that they are skilled Spartans, armored super soldiers, not regular foot soldiers. Each weapon or piece of equipment has a distinct feel and skill to use effectively. The tools of engagement principle encompasses the, the symbols of what makes Halo, Halo. Fluid movement, accurate gunplay while on the move, clear rules for every weapon, vehicle, etc. When we began development on Halo Infinite, one of our major goals was to remove redundancy in the sandbox. Weapons were the first area we wanted to have strong roles that players gravitate to because of a certain play style. So, we started from a blank canvas and called out all the high-level roles and play styles that we wanted players to experience. 
From there, we started to get into the details of which specific weapons were going to fill those roles. This is also where damage types were a much more feature-rich system came into play. A classic example of a damage type would be plasma. Engaged Halo players understand that plasma is strong against energy shields, for example. In order to really build out the player choice and roles of our sandbox, we felt that it was important to feature multiple damage types in the game so that we have more attributes to play with when designing vehicles and weapons. As the game launches and we continue to develop new weapons, there will always be some crossover of roles and play styles, but we'll be much more involved with keeping the sandbox fresh, which means that weapons on day one will assuredly be different after multiple updates and patches. Before moving on, the key thing I want you guys to remember here is damage types. We've only ever had kinetic and plasma. Okay? We'll touch on that later. Lone Wolf. Player goal. The player feels that they can stand alone and be effective without teammates or AI companions. To abide by the Lone Wolf principle means that we must provide the player with the necessary items and features to empower them to be effective on their own. Teamwork will augment the experience, but we need to ensure that the player can feel, can feel powerful on their own. One way that we achieve this is by looking at designing, tuning, and balancing the starting loadout for players in multiplayer. The basic traits, tools, and weapons must allow the player to be effective from the moment they spawn without the need to scavenge for good weapons. Connected to actions. The player goal is player actions are quick, frictionless, and responsive. Halo is best when the controls feel frictionless, natural, and responsive to the point that the controller or mouse and keyboard fades away and the player is just engaged in combat. Everything should feel intuitive, and we don't want the player to have to fight the game in order to have fun. It's because of this principle and the fact that Halo Infinite will be on PC that led us to rebuild the control scheme system to allow players to fully rebind and remap their controls regardless of platform. How players control Chief or their Spartan is crucial, and we recognize that players feel the most connected to the game when control customization is fully featured. Well, that's fucking awesome. And this isn't mentioned here at all, but I just want to state, I'm, depending upon how all this works out, one of my biggest complaints with previous Halo titles, not just Halo 5, but previous Halo titles, is some of the geometry on the maps. And where you'll just get caught on the smallest of ledge or like a little rock that just looks like it's insignificant, just stops you in your tracks or a little, like when you're running across something and like, I'm thinking of Coliseum, for example, and you just get caught on the most dumb shit, especially in fountain and oven. It's dumb as hell. Um, and the other thing being clamber being inconsistent. That's something that I've always felt that it's not all the time, but when it happens, you, I do feel like I have to fight the controls in order to do what I want. So I really hope all these things are taken into consideration and ironed out, and we'll see what happens. And finally, survivability. Player goal is players have a clear understanding of their vulnerability and threat indication, or a threat identification. This principle conveys a couple of important values. First, the importance of the systems in the game that provide the player the ability to assess pertinent information regarding the health state of themselves and opponents so they can make the best combat decision possible. Second, the importance of energy shields as a cornerstone mechanic to Halo gameplay. The importance of energy shields as part of the overall health mechanic cannot be understated. 
When creating new sandbox items that interplay with damage or affect the player's vitality, we take into account all the knobs at our disposal for energy shield tuning such as max shield value, shield stun time, shield recharge time, and more. Players need to feel durable and strong when they have shields up. If we create a sandbox toy that violates that feeling, then we run into problems as we conflict with that foundational gameplay element. When that happens, we move away from that experiment and try something else. And I really hope they got rid of that fucking hexagonal yellow bullshit during the gameplay demo. Um, Justin says, sorry, I'm being toxic. You're not, you're fine. And he says, uh, it can ruin a push with one misclamber. Absolutely. It's just, it's just irritating is all hell. The, the map that comes to my mind mainly for this is, is it echelon? It's one of the forge maps that fucking oddball was played on. And I, I don't, it might not be echelon. It's, it's the one without the Pelican. It's like the, the bluish one. Fisher. Fisher. I fucking talk about inconsistencies. As you can imagine, there's a lot to unpack here, but to sum it up, the sandbox team naturally uses these for every new vehicle item ability or weapon that we create. The same holds true when we set out to design player traits like health and shield values jump tuning, movement speeds, etc. Something that I would like to uh, call out is that principles can and likely will evolve over time as Halo Infinite is launched and becomes a living, breathing game with meta shifts and community desires. We hold ourselves to this doctrine, but also do our best not to paint ourselves in a corner as the game evolves over time. Now, let's go into some more specifics here. So, equipment. In the Halo Doctrine. This is what Quinn states. Equipment is meant to be a force multiplier by design. The player can flip a combat encounter on its head if they possess an equipment item. Much like how you saw Master Chief deploy the drop wall right when the brute tossed a spike grenade in the campaign reveal last summer. What was a difficult situation swung in the Chief's favor due to quick thinking and instincts. That's something that we feel is exciting about equipment. They provide an avenue to actions that exist in a more free-form space unlike the well-defined box of a vehicle or weapon. Above is just one example from the campaign. In multiplayer, equipment is earned via combat and or scavenging the play space, which brings a level of fairness and competition to the experience. In multiplayer, equipment is earned via combat. Are we talking kill streaks, Will? I hope not, but um, it could just mean you know, you kill a player with bubble shield, they drop bubble shield, right? Okay, sure. Uh, yeah. Or fighting over a, a space, right? You earn it through pushing that point. You know what I mean? Like, no, I hear you. Interpreted in so many ways. Right, and it's, I think we're getting ordinance back bad. from Halo 4. So, all right, with that, I'm just kidding. We're not, I hope we're not getting ordinance back. Um. All right, so. At a high level, the equipment items themselves will perform very similarly across campaign and multiplayer experiences. For example, the drop wall's role as a defensive energy shield will be the same across experiences. However, we are, we are tailoring each equipment, all sandbox features for that matter, to the experience that they are being used. So, expect to see some minor differences between multiplayer and campaign when it comes to acquiring equipment, the frequency in which they can be used, etc. And Justin agrees with you in terms of defining what that meant. That could just be wishful thinking, thinking though. 
I mean, that's We're the way we want it. So that's the way we. Um, I, they have. So, you know, I know you guys have your reserve about Quinn and whatnot, but you think after these few years that it's just just a few that it's been, um, they could learn over time. I sh- I should have clarified that I. Like, yes, exactly what you were saying. And I wish him and everybody else involved the absolute best of luck because we all just want the best game possible. And that's nothing against him. Absolutely nothing against him. Yeah. And we can, I mean, that's, that's the thing with Halo. The best game possible means so many different things to so many different people. Right. So exactly. And they, and he's talked about it. That's what, mm-hmm. that's one of the struggles that they have to deal with on a consistent basis. And I don't envy them at all. Um, Now, the thing I want to touch on here, he says, so expect to see some minor differences between multiplayer and campaign when it comes to acquiring equipment, the frequency in which they can be used, et cetera. And the thing I'm thinking about is, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that drop shield that was thrown in campaign, could you shoot through that? It looked like you could. I'm wondering wondering if you're not able to in multiplayer and it's those type of differences. Like, it's a drop shield, so... An enemy can't shoot you through it, but in campaign, you can shoot through it yourself, but in multiplayer, no. Like, those are the type of differences that I'm thinking about. The core mechanic of it is the same. It acts the same, but the minor difference between the two. Yeah. Um. What's up, Jordan? One of our souls of Sagittarius. Halo 5 for life. Hey. There you go. And then Josh says, for me, the best game possible is Halo 3. For someone else, it could be a different game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tim Temperman states, as we prototyped equipment, we gravitated towards those that complemented and enhanced the core combat loop, pushing the boundaries just far enough to feel empowering without being disruptive. We looked for equipment that could be paired with maps, modes, weapons, and vehicles in new and effective ways. Another key aspect was equipment with a low skill floor and a high skill ceiling. In other words, equipment that was easy to understand and benefit from for for beginner players, but with elements of mastery that allow high skill players to do some amazing stuff. Equally important is how the equipment feels on the opponent's end. Not only that it's balanced, but that there's engaging counterplay or clear uh, telegraphing that gives players on both sides an opportunity to display skill mastery. So it's not mentioned here. It's mentioned later on in the article. I didn't include this because this is like a fun question for them. But to me like uh, a low floor, high ceiling would be the grapple shot and the throwing of a fusion coil. I'm like things that can be thrown, things that can be picked up. How do you have an angle on that? So like you have a low floor where anybody can use it. It's a core mechanic. And then you have the high ceiling where how am I going to use this to my advantage in order to catch somebody off guard, close off a corner of a map, so on and so forth. Oh yeah. It's just like uh, the skilled jumps, you know? Yeah. Um, People, you know, everyone can jump and move around in Halo, but if you learn to spring jump or, you know, you can get in places quicker, or, yeah, things like that. Right. Uh, Insta-splodes for nades as well. It's just, yeah. there's so many little things that are so basic, but can be so intricate. Um, Elon uh, Gleiber states, and I apologize if I mispronounce any of these names. Compared to recent Halo titles with more innate abilities, equipment in Infinite creates fewer overall instances of change within the core combat loop. However, we can make those instances much more impactful and fun. We have more room to push the boundaries of our sandbox, allowing new ways for players to express their skill and game knowledge across various play styles. 
This is why equipment is the clear choice, and it gives us a lot of space to grow and change the meta as the game progresses over the years. Another big part of equipment is that connection to a legacy element from Halo 3, something that players enjoyed and can understand, and upgrading that into a modern Halo experience. Going back to this, damage types. David Price states, We want to keep the rules for damage types simple, understandable, and sustainable. Halo has already had a loose rule set with plasma weapons. We wanted to further define this rule set so players can have expectations of a damage type. Keeping the rules simple and understandable allows us to still have uh, weapons with unique behaviors and roles. If they want to quickly strip personal shields, they can use plasma, for example. But this doesn't dictate a weapon's playstyle, class, or power level. I could still have a shotgun-style weapon that is uh, any one of these damage types. This approach allows us to still make multiple weapons that feel unique within a damage type. We want weapons to feel diverse, even if they share the same damage type. Next up, the Bulldog. So here, this little segment here was a little bit of a hot contention because, and I'm going to provide my feedback as well after I read through these, and I, I'm excited, Will, to hear yours and chats as well because this, the wording in this is weird. So the Bulldog. Quinn states, The Bulldog is an exciting new shotgun weapon that is fast firing and fast loading. We have felt that the shotgun play style has been underrepresented in previous Halo titles, particularly in multiplayer. We've found that there are a lot of players that want to be that in-your-face CQC frontliner, but have never had a more readily available, less powerful, but still effective shotgun that allowed them to play that role frequently across the multiplayer experience. That is essentially the player story genesis of how the Bulldog came to be. David Price states, What Quinn said is spot on. We wanted to have a shotgun that was not a power weapon. The Bulldog is a, vers a versatile weapon that provides the player with the role of a shotgun, an up-close playstyle more frequently in multiplayer than previous Halo titles, as it is lower on the lethality scale of weapons and is thus more prevalent. Similar to that, we wanted a shotgun that embraces the rapid-fire, dish out multiple shots quickly. That's where the Bulldog excels. So... This is, there are two weapons that immediately come to mind that are damn near the same as a bulldog. Not in a sense of a fast firing, quick reloading, but in a sense that this is a close quarters shotgun that is not a shotgun. And those two weapons are the mauler from Halo 3, because that is exactly what that weapon was. And the um, bolt shot in Halo 4. For those who don't know about the bolt shot in Halo 4, let me, let me take you on a journey. Imagine that you are casually sprinting through a map because you can sprint in Halo 4. And you are coming up around a corner. And an enemy one-shots you, but does not have a shotgun or a sniper rifle, or a rocket launcher, or anything like that. But no, this person has a glowy, fucking one-handed, what is really a pistol, but can be charged up and shot in a single blow, and that fucker takes you out in one hit. 
You know what was readily available on maps in Halo 4? The bolt shot. You know what was readily available on maps in Halo 3? The mauler. Now, the mauler did not kill in one hit. If you had one of them, if you were dual-wielding maulers, then yes, that would kill you in one hit. But with a mauler, it was less lethal. You had to shoot them in the face and then melee for a, for a, for a, a near-instant kill. There were two weapons that fit this play style. So I have no idea how powerful this weapon is going to be, but there were weapons that existed that had less lethality that fit this role without being fast firing and fast reloading. That's what scares me even more. And Justin says, disagree. Shotgun is a power weapon. And I agree. Well, the old shotgun was right. Yes. This one is not going to be. Um, another thing that came to mind is if they tuned it a little better, SMGs, right? That close quarter combat moving around quick. Yes. Those those could have been utilized in this position as well. Right. But uh, I think people will miss the old shotgun, but I can't knock it till I try it. Got to right. see what this bulldog does in actual multiplayer action. I hope it is balanced because that's one of the things that they're working on. And I'm not, like you said, I'm not going to knock it until I try it. It's just I have reservations right off the right. bat because well, of what I'm say, used to. Yeah, just say this is like, I, I didn't see how many shells the bulldog has, but say it just, for example, say it has five shells so you can, you know, because you, you shoot, you pump to reload. Um, are we going to have to like reload the gun from the side or is it just the single pump? I don't know. Um, but if it is that, it should take three to four shells to kill someone fully if it's going to be used in that, in that right. fast firing mode. And then maybe a little bit of reload time. Maybe you can get damage on someone, switch to your other weapon to finish them off. Sure. But like uh, with it being that type of weapon, I don't see it being like a multi-kill weapon. You got to like get one kill, be versatile with it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's in a weird spot because we have to, we have to see what it actually does. And they've said, and we've read it through that throughout this is that they, they, they have full intentions that a weapon will not perform the same months, years down the line, more things will be added. So I I'll just, I'll put this out there right now, as I bet a lot of people are thinking, and a lot of people have already said, this isn't the last that we've seen of the traditional shotgun. Like I, I imagine it will be back in some shape or form at some point in time during halo infinite's life cycle, because they've said that they're going to be adding stuff. So we'll see. Uh, Deadbolt says, I will stay on Halo 2 anniversary forever. Just wish it got more maps. I agree. I, I wish it did get more maps too. I was expecting when H2A was announced, I was thinking that, oh my God, they're going to fully redo every, every core map. I'm not talking about all the map pack maps as well, but just the core maps that shipped in the, on the disc, but nope. All right. Weapon balancing. Quinn states, like I said earlier, everything in the sandbox will be much more malleable as Halo Infinite grows over time. We are committed to this game, the community, and to ensure that it stays fresh will not only, with not only adding new content, but taking care of the sandbox that will be there on day one. To that end, we've been building that muscle of balancing, seeking feedback, communicating the changes, etc. To provide a glimpse into our process, Sandbox sets out a monthly patch notes to the studio of all the meta changes and new features that came online in the month prior. The studio right now is our player base. We are treating the internal 343 team the same way we will treat the community, with honesty, respect, and integrity. 
Additionally, we are leveraging user research, daily campaign multiplayer playtests, the 343 Pro Team, and additional external playtests in conjunction with designer feedback to inform changes and adjustments. This will not change once the game goes live. Just the scale of data will be huge, which we're super excited for. Um, Deadbolt says, three maps does not have a competitive scene make. Yeah. And they wasted one of the remakes on Ascension. Yeah, Ascension's fucking... I fucking hate that map. The fucking moving pillar in the middle. I mean, what? People only play that for Tower of Power and that's it? That fucking map sucks. Um, All right. Last two points. Infinite on PC. David Price states, We have a team dedicated to making sure PC controls feel best in class. We are working with our internal pro team as well as our partners in user research to ensure that we have a broad set of data to guide us on our PC feature planning. A major goal for Halo Infinite on PC is to hit that top tier PC experiences experience that is as good or better than other shooters. Having MCC on PC is also a great help. It allows us to get player feedback on a live PC Halo game. And I, I didn't include this, but Quinn also said that that is one of their major pillars is that Infinite on PC is not just a port of the Xbox version on a different platform. It is a fully realized, we have a separate team working on this as well to ensure that this feels how it fucking should. Without the fucking in there. But you get my point. And finally, Sandbox readiness. Quinn states, Sandbox is super busy. We have everyone fixing bugs on our launch content and some exciting efforts kicking off for future updates like new vehicles, equipment, etc. But we're pretty much playtesting a ton and looking for ways to polish and improve everything. All of our launch content is in-game and being played daily, but it takes a strong effort to get something from 90% to a full 100% ship quality. So, we are pushing hard to squash bugs and tune our toys so that they are in a good spot as we get closer and closer to launch, and public fighting before that. Additionally, we are taking time to evaluate the visuals of certain sandbox items with the goal of ensuring everything is landing the way the art directors envisioned. As a result, some sandbox items we've previously shown might be getting a facelift here and there by the time you see them again. So, okay, that's the end of what I got for the article. You can check out the link in the in the uh, Google Doc of the show notes of the show for everything. But let me hit this home real quick. There was a GameSpot article that was being thrown about that they stated that everything for launch is complete and is being play tested and bug fixed. So everything at launch for Halo Infinite's in the game and ready to go. They didn't read the article fully, at least, because that's not what's happening. The sandbox items are there. That's all we got. So don't believe everything you read on the internet, folks. Um, it's on the internet. But I, I, it's, I mean, hey, it's got to be true. It's the internet. <laughs> but hey, that's it for the regular news. Which means, Will, it's time for... God, another game! Oh, and boy, oh boy, do we have stuff, Will. We have the CDL 2021 Stage 1 groups. And they are in Group A, 
the Dallas Empire, the LA Thieves, the Minnesota Rocker, the London Royal Ravens, the New York Subliners, and the Seattle Surge. And in Group B, we have Atlanta Phase, Optic Chicago, Florida Mutineers, Toronto Ultra, Los Angeles Gorillas, and the Paris Legion. Will, what shot you give us? I don't know. I didn't really watch much of them play. I mean, we... What, we won the... We won the show match against the Ultra, didn't we? We did. But like I said, it was an exhibition match. It doesn't even matter. So, the Atlanta home series... I included the graphics in the show notes if you want to check them out, but let's just do, let's just go through this. The Atlanta home series, February 11th through the 14th. Here are your matchups for the entire weekend, which starts on a Thursday. As a matter of fact, we as in the Minnesota rocker go up against the LA thieves. And while it was just an exhibition match, they did not look that great during theirs. So who the fuck knows? Then you have the Empire going up against the Surge. Optic Chicago against the Paris Legion. Should be easy dub. I'm sorry, Paris. The Atlanta Phase going up against the Gorillas. The Gorillas going up against the Legion. Mutineers against the Ultra. LA Thieves against the New York Subliners. The London Royal Ravens against Seattle Surge. Our second match is against uh, uh, reigning champions, Dallas Empire. And then Atlanta phase against optic Chicago. What's up hero Spartan. Welcome to the live show. So yeah, you can check out all of the upcoming matches for stage, uh, for the Atlanta home series. And then week two and week three of stage one, they're all included in the Google doc of the show into the show. That is that. And I imagine that once the, once the Atlanta home series is finished, will, and we have a little bit better understanding of how teams are given the season actually started, then we can give some actual predictions as to how we think teams are going to do. But believe it or not, that's all I got for Cotton Other Games Watch, Will. Some actual Call of Duty shit. And with that, fucking Mike! It's time for Will's Adventures with a Nailover! And other games, too. Will, what'd you play over the last week? Well, we did do MCC for the community play date on Tuesday. We did. Um, played for the King on Wednesday. We did. And then just been playing Tarkov in the meantime. You did. Yeah. That's been about it. What about you, sir? I played MCC and I'm still the sword champion. In other words, get fucked, Justin. Because you have hosts. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, yes. Oh, he's obviously he's fucking it's the only reason why he's winning. It's not because he's actually fucking decent at playing with swords in the game, even <laughs> though I'm not. Uh, played for the king, obviously, where Jordan stayed hydrated. We made sure of that. Mm. And he is okay. I, I did not contribute to that. I'm just saying. Oh, I did. That was. Jordan, I'm sorry. Love you. You, you did well, bud. Good job. I'm playing uh, Elder Scrolls Online, just dipping in there every now and again. And I played some Wii Sports Club last night, Will. 
where uh, we played some bowling, which was good, and we played some golfing, which was bad. So for those who don't know, for the youngins out there, I mean, it's not even that old, but like the Wii U was a console, right? Where it was, it wasn't an extension of the Wii. It was a separate console entirely, and it had like a tablet controller as well. Well, for this game for golfing, you put the tablet on the floor. That's where your golf ball is. And where you see like the strength of your swing, the curve of the swing, so on, and you see your your driver, right? Well, you take the Wii mote and you you have a golf stance and you point the Wii mote down at the at the tablet and then you take a golf swing, right? Well, the problem is, is how fucking finicky those motion controls are. It lo- you could look like you're dead on and you curve just straight off the rip to the right. And the next thing you know, you're in the water and, and it's just not fun. It wasn't a fun time. It was funny, but it wasn't a fun time. Um, that's all I played this week. Will. that's it. That's all it was. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Boys and girls, children of all ages, except not really because you should not be listening or watching the show due to adult language that is being used. And if you are here and you are not of the age that you can listen and understand those words, shame on you. Shame on you, youngin. Get the fuck out of here! The adults are talking. Hey, Will. What? <laughs> It's time for some shout outs. <laughs> shout out to everyone who joined the community play date. It was a, uh, it was a fun time. We we're celebrating Justin's birthday. We started things out with a, a sword match because I promised him we'd do that. And then the wonderful Josh in the chat as well was providing us some uh, mini games to play. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a fun time. Had a blast. Kick Justin's ass. It was great. You know, what more could you ask for? Just slicing and dicing Josh away and, and Justin. It was great. It was great. I thought Josh was going to beat me in that too. I really did. Little, I was what, one kill away? Yeah, he was. I think Josh was one kill away. Um, host, yeah, let's just keep blaming it on that. I mean, not because you were fucking bottom leaderboard trash. Um, but yeah, we played some Fat Kid. That was fun as well. It's just, it's just a good time. Now Josh comes out. I would have fucking won. Okay. Uh, you did Justin. It's okay. You're number one in my heart. You're number one in my heart. Shout out to everyone who followed and subbed during the live show. Um, (laughs) so, uh, before I say the one that was today, apparently, if that was today, uh, Mr. Unique, love that name. Thank you for the follow a little while ago. And then uh, Goalie Sniper. <laughs> Piece of shit. Uh, Did he unfollow and re-follow? I don't know. I have no fucking idea. But that's that. Also, I want to give a special shout out to everyone who purchased an item of our very first limited merch drop. Um, thank you all so much for supporting the show in that way. And 
if you weren't able to purchase, don't worry about it. Like I still love you all for just tuning in for listening, but special shout out to those who got one of those limited edition items. It's just, thank you. Thank you so much. It helps support this show even further. And we hope you enjoy the items. Want to give a happy belated birthday to Sims lethal and goalie sniper, AKA Justin LaFleche. Happy birthday, gents. And then finally, a big congratulations to the women of Halo and the Halo community for raising well over $12,000 for gamers outreach. Currently at the Tiltify account that they have set up, they're at $12,941.44. But I asked Maddie, and he said that there are many more donations directly to the streamers themselves that will be going directly to gamers outreach as well. So that total is probably well over that. Um, the streamers included in that were Joy and Joyness, Butoria, Cardinal Redbird, Oath, Echidna, and Kitchenbound. Congratulations to you all. You all are fantastic. To everybody that donated, thank you very much. Um, yeah, just fucking claps, firm handshakes, and backpats all around, you know? Just great fucking job, guys. Seriously, that's awesome. That's fucking awesome. Um, community creations. Halo memes every day, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Halo memes. We have the Hunter JJX recovery fund. This is by Kevin Lynch or uh, I think it's Kevin cool X on Twitter. Uh, he states Justin recently had his car broken into broken into and stolen. Uh, though the police were able to find the vehicle broken and torn apart. He also lost his musical equipment. The gear that was lost is too much of an ass for a single person to recover from. So we decided to create this account to help out a member of our community. This is to help his family and band. All funds will support Justin in helping him cover some of the lost gear. So included in the Google Doc and the show notes of the show, exclamation point show notes in chat is the GoFundMe link. If you have the means to donate, please do so. Along with that Tiltify link as well for the Gamers Outreach charity stream that happened. Both are included. Donate if you're able to help the people out. We have Clips of the Week number 91 by High Tech Redneck. That should go live tomorrow. We have Season 5 Anvil Wallpapers by Snickerdoodle. For season five for MCC that just came out. And finally, we have the Divine Mind Esports Podcast, episode three, featuring none other than Europa Halo. Check that out. All the links provided in the show notes. That's all I got. I'm kind of hungry. Will, please plug the show. We'll get to the after show, and then we'll close the show. All right. <laughs> you can find us on your favorite podcast services, of course. Just search for HGS Pro Talk. You know where we are. iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Search, or Spotify. And the one Josh is going to shout out here as well. Pocket You can join our Discord. If you're looking for the link, it's on our Twitter. It's uh, in the show notes of the show. Go check it's, it out. It's there. Of course, the Xbox Club and Spartan Company exist. I mean, they're there on HaloWaypoint.com. We are on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Esportspedia. We have our own website as well, hgsbrook.com. We can find a link to our current merch in the top right corner. Go check it out. Merch. And thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> uh, Justin says, thanks for Tuesday, guys. It was a ton of fun. Absolutely, man. Thank you for joining in as well, especially on your birthday. Um, yeah, every Tuesday, community play date. Should be a fun time. Hope to see you there.
We'll play some Halo. It'll be fun. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for episode 100. I'm going to fucking yawn. I hate myself. Shit. I shouted myself out of that one. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for episode 164 of HCS Pro Talk, where we had a lot of Halo stuff to talk about. A lot of cool things to look forward to on the horizon as well. We'll be back next week to talk about more stuff that's happening within the space. And uh, I'm excited to see where teams are in the first, the first tournaments here of the pro series for Halo 5. And it's going to be good shit. We have some more Halo to watch, more Halo to talk about. Always a good fucking thing. Guys, it's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week. But until then, bye-bye.